Mic check. One, two, one, two. Mic check, mic check. Welcome to the Mogul Podcast. I'm Tim Bryson, Director of Athlete Education and Compliance, and I am the host of our show. If this is your first time here, welcome. If you're a returning community member, welcome back. As y'all know, the Mogul Podcast is dedicated to educating all NIL athletes and brands on how to ensure compliance, how to maximize NIL activity, and how to make a difference in the ever-evolving NIL landscape. Today, we have a very special guest, you know, our first non-mogul guest at that. I mean, someone who does not need a formal introduction, but well, I'm definitely going to show love and give him his flowers on purpose. Uh, this guy is a Christ believer, first and foremost, and, and Mississippi native. Um, he's the founder of Emerging Executives, author of The Blueprint for a Successful Career, and director of NIL Education and No Cap Sports. He's also a versatile event management professional, interactive presenter, which for those who have seen him, you already know and contributor to front office sports and collegead.com. This guy is him, and this is Bag Talk. Will Baggett, welcome to the Mogul Podcast, bro. Man, what's going on, man? I'm walking with TB, man. What's going on with you, brother? Hey, hey, we're going to get you on the pod, bro. We're going to get you on the pod. <laughs> and everyone keeps saying, you know, when am I bringing the podcast back? Yes, sir. I'm definitely starting a Mogul Podcast. It's definitely reignited, you know, some energy to, to relaunch season five coming up in a few months. But right now I'm saying no. And I'm to everybody else and saying yes to myself, bro. But good to see you. Yes, sir, man. Pleasure's all mine, man. Uh, congratulations on the new opportunity. Continue growth, man. Uh, just everything you have going from your doctorate to, you know, your craft beer love, man, to all the crazy workouts you be doing. You know, I see you. You know, I support you, man. It's all love. And I thought I had a deep voice, boy. You got that Barry White over there, boy. Hey, I had to pull it out. I got to pull it out. It's my podcast voice, people say. It's my podcast voice. Yes, sir. Hey, yes, sir. but I'm going to keep it a buck, bro. Like I said, I mean, I wanted to start this podcast as soon as I got hired with Mogu, right? As soon as they reached out and we had a conversation, I'm like, yo, we got to start a pod. Um, and I told you before, uh, as you know, this is not our first time trying this episode, but I told you countless times, bro, I wanted you to be the first guest on the show uh, for a number of different reasons. Uh, but one of which is your story. So you already know how this shit goes. Uh, segment one, Will Baggett, what's your story? My story, man, uh, crazy story, man. But I'll, I'll keep it short for the sake of time so we can get into what you guys came here for. But born and raised in Grenada, Mississippi. So if you never heard of it, it's the place you stop if you're going to Jackson or Memphis to get gas. All right. That's what <laughs> Grenada is known for. All right. So not the country. It's a county in Mississippi. Uh, so we call that area Memphis Sippy is what we call it. But uh, that's home for me. I went to undergrad at University of Mississippi, uh, grad school at Baylor University. And I've been in Dallas, Dallas, Texas for about five years now. I've worked for, with the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl. I've worked with IMG College Licensing. I've worked with... The Cotton Bowl, Final Fours, I mean, you name it, kind of been there, done that, and got plenty of t-shirts, so excited about that, man, and yeah, right now, like you mentioned, I'm just kind of working on, you know, uh, continue to work with student athletes to expand NIL education, particularly in the branding space, and also involved with other entrepreneurial pursuits that, you know, that make me happy, and allow me to create jobs and opportunities for other people, so I would say my story is one of resilience and one of, of opportunity and uh, being given opportunity and now wanted to put it back in the bucket and create it for others. So that's my story. That's back talk. Hey, it's back talk. And I know before we talked about this, right, the fact that you have Mississippi native in your bio. Mm -hmm. um, and for me, that's something that I've really come to own uh, being an Ohio native, right? Ohio kid, Cincinnati boy, right? Just talk to us more about what it means to be from Mississippi, given that's something that you lead with now. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm playing for my state, man. So I saw a a, I think it was a podcast recently where they were talking about a number of big time rappers and sometimes celebrities don't claim Mississippi, even though they're from there, like Schultz Soldier Boys from Batesville, Mississippi, like 30 minutes from where I grew up. 
race from in Tupelo, Mississippi. You know what I mean? Rick Ross has ties to Mississippi. And yet you never hear many of them claiming in their raps. And you got people like David Banner and Big Crit that kind of carry the torch from Mississippi. But there are so many talented people that have roots there. And I really want to bring light to our state because we are pretty much number one in everything bad. <laughs> so I want to make sure, man, that I at least shine some light on the show that, hey, I'm Mississippi made, although I'm a Texas paid now. But that's what made me who I am. And I think uh, we have a lot of talented people there, a lot of people that they got that good uh, country home hospitality and they deserve to be spotlighted in a positive manner. They they deserve representation in the most positive lights. I mean, I grew up not far from the Mississippi Delta, which is one of the poorest uh, parts of the United States. Right. And so to be able to show people, like, hey, what can come from Mississippi with the right guidance and the right work ethic? I believe that, you know, it's incumbent of me, along with other Mississippi natives, to carry that torch forward and to make sure that we are bringing light and bringing great just publicity to our state because the CIF got something to say. That's facts. Y'all do. Y'all really do. And I think that as you talk about growing up in Mississippi and like what it means to be Mississippi made right now, Texas paid, um, one of the influential decisions you made in your life you, you had to make or one that you had to embrace um, that has helped you to become the man you are today. Yeah, so it's interesting we're having this conversation now. So I'm preparing to go next Monday to Mississippi State University to lead a leadership retreat. And so that's where I started my collegiate career. I graduated from Ole Miss, but I started at Mississippi State. And that was yep. my first time going away from home, like being away on my own. I learned a lot. Like it grew me up pretty quickly. So I would say one of the best decisions I made was staying home. So I could have went out of state to different universities and got recruited to a lot of different places from an academic standpoint. But I thought it was important for me to continue to grow, but also stay close to, to my family. So my, my parents, my, my brothers, like they were all at the time in and around Mississippi. And so for me to kind of grow and be alongside them and to help them out. And just to be available, you know what I mean? Whether it be for like different holidays and things like that, I thought it was important. And so I would say staying there, it exposed me to different parts of the state. You know, Mississippi is a tale of two halves. You got North Mississippi and South Mississippi. That's pretty much it. We don't really talk about East or West, really. And so just being able to be exposed to some of those people, I've seen it come back full circle. You know, people I went to school with at both universities, a lot of them moved out here to Dallas now. And so we're able to connect, to be able to talk about what it's like back home. And I think it was probably the most influential decision I made was to stay home and to get my education there and be able to, you know, and be able to carry that forward. So I think staying home was good for me. That's awesome, Brian. It's a perfect segue to segment two, uh, right, in which we're talking about branding. I think the NIL conversation has evolved and is, <laughs> I think, taking a mind of its own and it has been manipulated in many ways. Uh, we're going to get to that part. We're going to get to that part first, uh, just a few, a few minutes. But you said Mississippi made right? Texas paid. One of the influential decisions was not just leaving home, but then coming back home. But now bag talk is global, bro. Bag, bag, bag talk is global. And bag talk really came from executive image, man, the blueprint. Mm, talk to us more right. about that process. How did that, how'd you get there? Absolutely, man. So I, I think back to 2018. And so I'll, I'll say this, it's important to have people in your life in your, in your family, in your circle that see you in different ways than you see yourself. Mm. positively and and in a way constructively right where you mm -hmm. stay see opportunities for growth because i don't i don't want yes people around me i'm mm -hmm. trying to get to the next levels and so it was 2018 i was at the university of miami, in miami presenting and my guy alexander martin now with the miami dolphins he told me he said man you should start a podcast and you should like use the moniker bag talk i was like yeah that's, that's cool but i don't think i really want to do that you fast forward 
2022, <laughs> I started a podcast with no cap. And now I go by bag talk. I even have a necklace that I paid handsomely for that has bag talk <laughs> right, ac- right across it. And so to be honest, man, that gave me something to believe in. You know, 2022 yeah. took, a, took a toll on all of us. Yeah. And, and a way to kind of rebuild myself, to even rebrand myself. Um, back talk gave me something to live up to, to to believe in, and I'm in the process of trademarking it right now. So, back talk with two G's. The one with one G was already trademarked. But I'm going to trademark it and go from there. But I believe you have to have ownership is is key. You have to own something. It doesn't have to be a tangible mm-hmm. asset. It doesn't always have to be income producing. If it if it does, cool. But you need to have ownership of something. You need to live in this digital space in this metaverse because. We're not going to be here forever. And so your mm-hmm. legacy should outlive you, whether it's in pictures and videos. So I'm a huge advocate of that. If it's not on photo or video or not on the sound waves, then it never really happened. Mm. And talk more about the, the the book, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. So back in 2012, I graduated from Ole Miss and I, I moved to Baylor University to get my master's degree, connected with Tom Brown, uh, now with the One Question Podcast, that stuff with D1 Ticker. And we connected and he was the one that gave me my first suit. So when I first got to him, all I had was a black tee, my Jordans and my gold chains. And that's, what, that's all I had. Right? I was not polished. I was not at least a professional. But he took me under his wing and he went me and took me to get my first suit, exposed me to different conferences. And he always asked me, he said, man, why are you always taking pictures and videos everywhere we go? I said, I'm from Mississippi, man. I've never seen this stuff before. Mm-hmm. Right. And so <clears throat> quick segue. Few years later, we were in the Orlando for NACTA at the World Center Marriott, and I had some buddies from the SIP that were in town. They came by to visit, and they walked to the World Center Marriott. By that time, I'd been there two or three times for NACTA already, so I was used to it. And they're walking in, and I'm walking forward, and I notice they're not behind me anymore. Like, where'd they go? So I turn around. They're still at the front entrance taking pictures and videos. And I was just like, bro, what y'all doing? And I was like, oh, wait, that was me. Yeah. Right. And so that really just humbled me and took me back to, you know, my genesis and my my origin. So long story short, to answer your question, the blueprint was about exposure. I was blessed to have great mentors, people that believed in me, people that gave me opportunities. But you can't always pick your mentors. It has to be a, you know, it's a two way street. They have to choose you. You have to choose them. Mm -hmm. And I was fortunate to have that. And so I wanted to be kind of a. I guess, a third party or pseudo mentor to people. And that's what that book was for. So if you didn't have that guidance, if you didn't have that person that was that guiding light to expose your different aspects of life, of sports, of any professionalism, then this book was meant to bridge that gap because I realized that having great mentorship put me ahead. It gave me a jump forward and a head start. And I would not be here without people like Kelly Brooks, Ty Brown, uh, Jamil Northcutt, you know, Kaz Kazadi. So these are people that, like I said, that influenced me. And I wanted to, one, give them their flowers, as you mentioned earlier, yeah, but also sure. help develop and mentor other people that may not have the same opportunities or exposure. I mean, yeah, I mean, at this point, you probably, I well, not probably, you definitely have talked to more than 5,000, 7,500, 10,000 people, 20,000, about, 20, about 27,000. I love it. Every time you go out, you get, still get you still get nervous? I, I do. I do, man. But, you know, something Alan Green told me, AD at Auburn, told me a long time ago when I first started, I told him I want to get into public speaking. I'll never forget this. I was in my bathroom. I was talking to him because I was trying to get the advice and he just called me back. And it's like, man, it's Alan Green. I can't tell him to call him back later. Nah, nah, He's busy, nah, right? Nah. <laughs> yeah. so, I'm, so I'm in the bathroom, man, uh, in a restaurant. It wasn't my bathroom. It was at a restaurant. I remember now. 
And he's like, "Well, you a good time to talk." And there's music playing about, like, "Yeah, this is great." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um, he was like, um, "He said, man, um, it, I heard that you want to get into public speaking." I said, "Yes, sir," but I'm a little nervous. Whenever I start, you know, I'll start stuttering and I get stage fright really easily. You know, I'm an introvert. Yeah. And he said, "Let me I'm gonna tell you two things, man." He said, uh, "The first thing is being nervous just means that you care. Mm-hmm. Right? There's nothing wrong with that. But if you get to a point where you can't perform," Now you made it all about you and you're being selfish. I said, wow, because I thought about it more. We don't fear public speaking. We speak, you know, most cases every day. We fear the public part. Mm. So when you get past that public part, that's when it starts to get easier. When you're able to put on your face and say, hey, I'm qualified to be here. This is my time, right? I've done the work to be here. That You have to build yourself up, you know, in order to do this. And there's no other way. You've got to be able to have that that mentality and that you got to have a little F you in your system. I'll be totally honest with you. You, you can't be all, you can't be all there doing what I do because there's going to be distractions. There's going to be people walking. Maybe, maybe somebody gets up and walks out. Maybe a guy's in the back sleep, things happen. Right. And yeah. they keep you humble. They keep you humble. They, they make you realize, okay, I need to continue to improve so I can reach every single person in the room. And so I enjoy that challenge. So that's the first thing being nervous just means that you care. The second thing is, it was a scenario. He was like, have you ever sat through a bad speech or a bad presentation? I was like, yeah. He said, how did you feel for the presenter? I said, I felt bad for him. He said, he said right. He said, so secretly, you wanted them to do well. I said, yeah. He says that the same thing goes for your audience. If they're there, if they have to be there, whatever they chose to be there, they want to be entertained. They want to be educated. So mm. think of it as they are on your side and use that as kind of your tackling fuel to move forward. And those two things have helped me get through 180, 86 uh, presentations uh, today. And I so keep telling Yes, sir. I, I, no, as you should. As yeah. you definitely should. And one yes, thing sir. you mentioned earlier, I mean, shout out to Alan Green, right? A mentor, someone's provided guidance, uh, someone who's helped you take ownership, maybe fueled your work at the things you said mm-hmm. um, you know, over the course of our conversation today. Um, but you mentioned, like, you got to be ready for it, right? Like, this is your time. And in a similar way, July 30, what, July 1, 2021? That was your time. That was, you, you've been doing, you've been doing this, right? And I, Thank, and I, thankfully. And I, for sure. But I really want us to, to, to hone on this, on this, this part of the conversation because as I mentioned before, NIL has kind of been warped in so many ways, in my opinion. And the reason why that I say this is because it started off as far as like empowering the athlete, educating the athlete, ownership, athlete ownership that we've gone, in my person, we've gone away <laughs> yeah. from that. Oh, yeah. Right? Sure, yeah. And, and people like myself, people like yourself and other NIL educators are trying to bring us back to core, right? To the, the central purpose and mission. But we're still out here somewhere. So we'd yeah. love to start the conversation right now, just like hearing some of your thoughts in regards to where we've gone, how we've evolved with NIL over the last 13 months before mm-hmm. talking about how, we, you know, how we're you know, we choosing to educate you know, athletes at scale um, across the United States. Absolutely, yeah. So at 1201, on July 1st, 2021, I mean, you know, the world changed. Mm-hmm. I mean, there were deals were announced at the 1201 mark. I mean, mm-hmm. people, I mean, obviously knowing they'd already done these and they're waiting to announce it, yep. right? And so, you know, if you stay ready, you don't have to get ready. And so yep. I think there's a, there's a spectrum. You can look at the stats that, you know, Open Doors produ- provides. I mean, and you can look across the board at what student athletes have done to earn income, right? And I think there are so many different ways that NIL has gone to your point. So you mentioned athlete empowerment. Mm-hmm. But then we get these kind of huge brand deals. We wonder about, I wonder, is this going to affect team chemistry? You know, that's still kind of a conversation that's out there. 
And then you have the student athletes that want to be entrepreneurs, create their own businesses, turn a three to four year opportunity into a 40, 40 year opportunity, right? It's like their education. Mm -hmm. And -hmm. then you have the advent and the rise of collectives that are Mm -hmm. coming in, right? Mm -hmm. And you also, you know, while this is going on, you have a bunch of third parties, whether it's mogul, no cap, influencer, icon source. I mean, you name it. I mean, Mm -hmm. there are people that came out of the woodworks that I've never heard of or seen Mm -hmm. before. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh my goodness. And so, and also if you look at it from the NCAA level with the lack of kind of guidelines and guardrails, it's kind of the wild, wild west. And then the NCAA is undergoing leadership change right now as well. Mm. So you think about this could be a whole nother year plus until a new, I mean, whenever a new leader is hired, that person has to get acclimated, right? And then there's a whole congressional piece. Like, is there going to be some kind of stoppage on it? And then you have the huge deals of $400,000 in recruitment and inducements, what have you. It is the wild, wild west. And so from where we are standing now, uh, like I said, I like to see student athletes that have been empowered to earn an income because you have a few different spectrums, like the gymnastic student athlete at UCLA and versus the, the student athlete at Alabama in football. They're going to have different audiences and they may have different setups. This sure. football player, may, mama might be at home working two jobs and trying to support his little brothers and sisters. So for, for him or her, these for him, this could be a life changing opportunity. Exactly. For, for the gymnast that may come from a different set of life circumstances, this just could be continuing a lot of generational wealth, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So when I see these deals, I always think about, okay, you don't know, we don't know these kids' story. Mm-hmm. Right? We don't know what these mm-hmm. resources are going to. Yep. And so I think we have to be empathetic to understand, okay, where do they, where do they come from, what they learn, and also the financial literacy and educational piece is a huge component, right? Because I, I mean, if you would have handed me a few hundred thousand dollars and I was 20, 1922. I'll tell you what I was spending on. Mm-hmm. And it probably wouldn't have been the right things, right? Mm-hmm. Thankfully, you have people like Mobile and No Cap and, and even other practitioners like Advance and IL that are putting out education to try to help student athletes. And so, what I say, I see now, man, it's just that it's a learning process. I mean, it's only been a little bit over a year, you know, a year and a month, some change in. And so, I, I think that it's going to continue to kind of grow and develop. But I, my prediction is that. It's going to continue to spiral a little bit. And mm-hmm. then at some point, Congress will step in. And there's a theory that I've heard out there that the NCAA is purposely kind of letting it go every which way. And that way they can lobby to Congress to come in and put some parameters in place because NCAA technically can't do it. I mean, you got antitrust, you got all kinds of stuff that they've dealt with in the past. Like when Walter Byers was NCAA president, they don't want to deal with it again. And so, again, I think people uh, sometimes give the NCAA a little bit too much credit and don't understand what kind of power they have. They're an association, right? It's not a conglomerate. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? It's a, it's an association. Mm-hmm. They can't subpoena people. I mean, it's just a lot of different guardrails there. And so, yeah, man, it's just, it's you know, I tell people, I said, I know branding and I'm learning in IL, but I'm not an expert because there's so many different ways you can spin it. And there are some very, very creative kids out here that are they're monetizing their brand in so many different ways. I mean, you got kids, you know, making ships in a bottle. You got kids that are that are teaching uh, classes, that are doing summer camps. You got kids that are, you know, social media influencers that are getting paid. Mm-hmm. I mean, endorsement deals, cars. I mean, you name it. There's no way to be an expert on all these moving pieces. And so that's the way I kind of look at it. And I'm seeing, so I'm learning. I'm observing. And I'm learning. And I said, I don't try to sound smarter than I actually am. I'm learning with everyone else. And I got to stay in my lane of branding. And I tell kids like, hey, I can't teach you how to be yourself. 
I can give you the tools to gain more exposure and to amplify it. And that's what I try to focus focus my my efforts on. You hit on the head the last part, right? Because again, it's name, it's name, image, likeness. Mm-hmm. It's your name, image, likeness. I can't. What brand should I partner with? You tell me what. I mean, I tell you how to. <laughs> you tell me that, right? But then it goes back to the ownership part you talked about earlier in regards to um, one, you know, how you address your own life, uh, but then two, how we can educate, you know, all athletes to to leverage their NIL in their own way. Mm-hmm. But another thing that you mentioned, right, was the NCA of being an association, right? A membership association at that. Mm-hmm. And that many people don't know that, right? And part of that could just be they just don't know or they don't know yeah. where to find it. Another part of it is uh, helping them to understand that, like, you need to gather the information so that you know the game, That's right? right? Like, learn the rules of the game. Yep. For me, how I'm approaching NIL is like, yo, this is a game, right? You're playing chess out here. <laughs> yeah, yep. Here's how this move, here's how that move, here's how this move. So curious to, like, hear more about your approach uh, when you're talking with a lot of these athletes, because again, it comes mm-hmm. out of ownership, right? You can monetize mm-hmm. for money. You can look at social entrepreneurship. You can look at service. Mm-hmm. You can take it however you want. But I think there's like a a, a pressure, if you will, of like monetization. It only yep. has to be monetization. Yep. So I was curious to hear your thoughts in regards to how you're educating athletes to take ownership uh, of NIL, their NIL activity in yeah. their own way. Absolutely. So believe it or not, there are some kids that couldn't care less about NIL. Exactly. You know, there, there are. There are. Exactly. And there is there is that peer pressure to monetize, to kind of be one of the guys or one of the girls that are monetizing their brands and likenesses. The mm-hmm. key is, though, like I said earlier, you got some kids that really don't need it. Right. And so it's extra work. And then you got, you know, I was talking to a swim coach the other day at uh, Washington State. And he said that his kids are on from 5 a.m. to 5 p.m. daily. Yep. Like when, when are they supposed to, you know, work on their NIL, yep. right? And so yep. that's, that's yep. a huge piece of it. So my approach is one that I that I've heard from some other branding coaches, but it's that whole formula of consistency plus frequency equals brand recall. Yep. That's that's literally what I kind of frame my pieces around. And so we talk about a few different elements relative to who you are as a person because there's there's branding is for money for monetization. And there's also lifestyle branding because it's some, you know, some I know people know I know working is not popular right now, but some folks gotta go to work, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, we focus on the ABCs of professionalism. And yeah. these can work with your brand or they can work with you as a person. And so these ABCs are appearance, behavior, communication skills, digital presence. And emotional intelligence. And we unpack each of these five elements to talk about, okay, how do you show up? What do you do when you get there? How do you communicate verbally? What does your body language say about you? What do you look like online as your front porch, as your kind of first introduction to anyone that's going to be Googling, looking you up, whatever it is. And then how emotionally intelligent are you with connecting with people, with caring, with following up and also following through? Because people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. So I stress a lot about um, the personal side. I want to build the person from the inside out because if you're not a, if you're not a great person, you know, none of this stuff really matters at the end of the day and things will catch up with you. You can be, you can be, you can be, you can be good by accident. You can be great by chance, but to be elite, to be undeniable, that takes work ethic. That that takes strategy. As my good friend, uh, coach Dan Roberts says, hope is not a strategy. I want to, I would like to, I think I feel that's not a strategy. And so anybody that I'm working with, any mentees I have, I said, you can't call me and tell me what you're thinking about doing, what you wanted to do, what you thought about, this, that, and the third. I want to know what we're doing. Mm-hmm. We talk we, we talk in declarative statements. I am, I did, I shall, I will. That's how we talk in anybody I'm working with. Because I think now it's a lot of laziness 
because mm-hmm. of how available things are to us. Mm-hmm. It's like, I, you know, I'm a, I'm a fan of TikTok. I'm a fan of education. I'm a fan of courses. I'm a fan of all the digital pieces that we have learned and what is helping advance our, our education, our knowledge bases, professionally, spiritually, financially. I'm a fan of all of it. But I will say you're getting very short and not detailed information, right? So TikTok will tell you that, hey, you uh, you can go buy a G-Wagon and write off any taxes, okay? That's partly true, but you need to be making enough money to offset that cost. In order to S-Corp your LLC and get taxes mm-hmm. in S-Corp, you should be making over $50,000 at least to do that. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Also, you got mm-hmm. to buy it in your business name. You know I mean? There's a lot of different pieces that they give you kind of a, they give you the appetizer, but they don't give you the meat and potatoes. Mm-hmm. And so it takes some reading. It takes self-education. And it takes conversations to really get the detailed information you know, you need to know to get to where you want to be. And so that's what I think uh, some some people are are missing. They think, oh, I can just go do something. I'm like, yeah, it's not that simple. There's a few more steps you get to. So I, you know, I want to get it back, get back to, hey, let's get it done. I'm going to do what it takes because whenever I have people that approach me and they want to become speakers, I said, okay, it's going to take this. It's going to take that. It may take a year or two or even longer than that before you do this. And I said, also, hey, here's a career day to high school or middle school right around the corner. Let's go do that. And they say, oh, no, I don't want to do that. That's not what I was trying to do. That's, that's when I know. Mm-hmm. That's when I know. That's my litmus test. Mm-hmm. That, what's it all about for you? Because mm-hmm. what I would say, you know, shooters shoot, presenters present. I don't care if it's at a boys and girls club. I'm going to present. I don't care about slides. I don't care about mics. You turn the lights off, presenters present. Mm-hmm. And so if you're a competitor, mm-hmm. if you're someone, if you're an athlete that's trying to run it up, figure it out. Because what I've learned is that belief finds a way forward forward, and doubt finds a way out. I've learned that. So if, if you want it, Adam, you'll figure it out. If you don't, then you'll talk yourself out of it. And I'm okay with that. But don't come to me for motivation. I'm not good at motivation. I'm not a motivational speaker. I'm not I'm not good at that. I, I want you to be inspired. I want you to be disciplined because when motivation runs out, discipline kicks in. And that's when you separate the good from the elite and the undeniable. The kid that's preaching his bad talk. I told y'all. I told us a bad talk on this episode, <laughs> Will. And I'm laughing because someone hit me up the other day. He talked about my, uh, my workouts. They said, y'all need to get back in the gym. I said, I can't get you in the gym. You tell me when you I can hold you accountable. I can help hold you accountable. I can't get you in the gym. So you let me know when you're serious. Um, and it's yeah. funny. It's funny you bring that up though because, um, again, it's not just owning right, but it's, then also as for an athlete, owning it, but then teaching people how to treat you. That's right. <laughs> reteaching that's right. people how to address you. Reteaching people how to come to you. Right. And I think that's mm-hmm. all part of this whole athlete empowerment part that I thought was central and core um, to NI education. On a, in a similar way, right? You mentioned the ABC. DE now uh, of how you particularly, you know, attack. Yeah. I, I see how you, I picked up on that. Don't worry. I'm not picked yeah. up on that. On how you attack NIL Ed, bro. But there's another part of this, especially with Gen Z and especially I think with the more growing critique, you know, around professionalism, right? Around appearance, around behavior. Mm-hmm. Um, that at least want to talk about, at least educators like myself want to yeah. talk about. Sure. So curious to hear from you, like how, what are those questions like? What are those conversations like when you're talking about appearance with a group of, you know, racially and gender, gender diverse people with obviously experiences outside of that as well? Absolutely. So, you know, I was coming up when I was growing up, if your pants came up and your ankles were showing, <laughs> that was considered flooding. Yeah. Now, now you're dripping. You know what I mean? You went from flooding to dripping. You know what I mean? And, and, and make sure you guys understand this. TFB be dripping. Yeah, be a, a little bit. Yeah. TFB be dripping yeah. sauce. You hear me? Sauce, Tabasco, you name it. So 
I, I walk that I walk that I walk a very fine line, you know. What I mean, so I, I say that like if you look at if you ever took any kind of personal finance classes, there's a thing called I think is GAACP, generally accepted accounting principles or whatever, something like the AACP, something like that. Yeah. And so I look at it like this when it comes to professional world, there's generally accepted professional standards, right? There's so gaps, I guess, if you want to call it generally accepted professional standards. So when it comes to that, you have to think about okay what's acceptable here, what's socially acceptable. And you have mm-hmm. to understand that there's a thing called rules of engagement, right? So whatever whatever environment you're in, understanding what's it going to take to be successful in this environment? What are the rules of engagement? How do I need to move to be successful in this environment? And so I always frame it. I never say, hey, you know, this has to do this. You got to wear it like this because kids are more individual and more explored and more creative than they've ever been before. And so I would be wrong to say, hey, you got to do this because they, make work, they may work for a tech company in Silicon Valley where it's, 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 it's uh, jeans and T-shirts every single and T-shirts every single day. Mm-hmm. Right. And that may be mm-hmm. acceptable in that environment. And if it is, that's how you move in that environment. But if you're working for, you know, Ernst and Young or whatever it is and they want you suited and booted, guess what? The standard is the standard. You know what I mean? If you if you if you don't complain, they get out of the game. So that's when I say I say, what are the standards and how can you work to meet them in an effective manner? And you don't have to be that person 24 hours a day. But for that space, that space and time, you have to move effectively and you have to be a chameleon. You've got to be able to code switch and change, change what you need to change in order to be successful. And so it's not being fake, it's not being phony, it's being versatile. And that's the way I look at it. And so there are spaces, like I said, I'm from North Mississippi, man. I listen to Gucci, man. I wear long gold chains. I, I like loud music and whatever. You know what I mean? This, this mm-hmm. is, guess what? When I'm on, I'm on. And when I'm on, I'm the best in the country what I do. Talk and about I tell, it. I tell people, I said, I hope you feel the same way about your craft. I don't I don't want to be around people that feel they're the best in the nation at their craft. That includes if you're selling watermelons, if you're mountain TVs, I don't care what it is. I want to be around the best in the country at what they do because then I become more resourceful. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I'm resourceful. I'm not that smart. I'm not even that good of a great of a speaker. I'm resourceful. I know how to use my environment to my advantage. Exactly. Exactly. And again, what you're talking about is the game, bro. And I think that when I reached out to you, I said, yo, um, I want to see, need to see, I'm going to see more non-white male NIL educators in our space. Because we need it, right? I ain't never yes. heard anyone white talk about the game. <laughs> I ain't never heard that, brother. But again, that's part it's of the, the experiences that, 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 that we had to fi- that we had to figure out. And part of it was like, you know, uh, sink or swim. But the other part was like, you legit had to figure it out. Yes. But there, but there's transferables in that that we that we can be teaching, should be teaching, um, our athletes, especially our black athletes, in regards to how to navigate this game called, you know, name, image, and likeness. Yes, sir. Absolutely. Se- segment three, bro. Action items. Again, it's not a lecture. I don't know people have been dying yeah, yeah. here, uh, both myself and you, get on the pod finally <laughs> together. Um, but as we leave this conversation today, man, what are three things you want our audience, our listeners to remember and leave with after our time together? Yeah, I would say, man, the first thing is the problem is not the problem. It's how you respond to it. It's good. So whenever obstacles, hurdles come up, it's like I said, sink or swim. You have an opportunity to understand the situation, interpret it and find a path forward. So the problem is never the problem is how you respond to it. The second thing is, man, be a, be a great person and, and follow up, but more importantly, follow through. There's always mm-hmm. that initial like, hey, great talking to you. We'll be in touch. And then you never hear from them again. Right. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so be someone of value that's it, that is following up, that's touching base when you don't want anything. 
hey, it's Tuesday, it's Wednesday. I just want to say, I, you know, I thought about you. Hope you're doing well. Those things go a, a long way. So when opportunities come up, you're top of mind, right? And so you have opportunities to do that, whether it's birthdays, anniversaries, promotions, changes, reach out, take care of people, be engaged. The third thing I would say is, like I said, I'll repeat it, belief finds a way forward, doubt finds a way out. And so if you want it bad enough, I want to see you doing the work. I'll give you a quick example. So I met with Coach Darren Roberts in 2017, mentioned I want to be a speaker. We went to go eat lunch for an hour and a half. For the next two to three, four, five years, we only touched base sparingly. And I, I stayed in contact as my family was doing. But he never once sent me a speaking engagement opportunity until I was five years in and over 150 presentations. Because I told him, I said what I was going to do, and I went and did the work. I didn't ask for handouts. I didn't ask him for this. I took an hour and a half of his, of his time for lunch in 2017, and that turned into 186 engagements. And it was just this summer he sent me my first one because he saw the work. He saw the mm -hmm. reviews. He saw the response. Mm -hmm. I didn't call him and say, hey, can you send me something? Hey, you got anything? We, mm -hmm. we, it, it don't work like that. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So people will see the work if you're doing it. And the last thing I'll say that someone told me recently it says some of your first opportunities will come through application whether it's mm -hmm. to a resume whatever you got to do but subsequently if you're doing your job at a high level your next opportunities will come through invitation so it's going to be application first but next it should turn into invitations if you're the best at what you do i love it i love it until they give us four which is a, a bonus for everyone listening. yeah yeah man yeah well i try to tie it in man but i, I get on a roll baby you know no nah, I mean? nah, listen <laughs> i'm appreciative we're appreciative uh, before I ask this, this final question, dog, um, send me your jeweler's name. I definitely need to get a TFB <laughs> necklace at this point. What you got? got a six? You. you got the eighteen inch, twenty inch. How long you? Man, long I got man. It's about a, it's about a, about a twenty, and it's uh, man. Can I go get it? Yeah, go get can it. Right? Get, one second. Hold on. Get it. Yeah. So man, really, you got it. So got it, man. Shout out to my boy Alexander Martin and my jeweler Harish. Oh. You know what I mean? So this is this is my necklace. This is uh oh you really come. Um, oh yeah, my so, gosh. Yo, if you if you listen to this podcast, <laughs> hop on to YouTube right now and look at this chain. Hey, yo, so, that's fire. Yeah, like so that. WB, I could shout out to Warner Brothers. Sorry about yeah. that. Trademark <laughs> y'all be all right though. Y'all got money. So hey, yeah, but like man. I said, that's that's me though, man. That's me. That's part of no. me. That's who I am. No, I love it, man. First and foremost, thank you for joining the pod today. Uh, mad love for you, mad love to you. I love you. We need you in this space. I'm glad you're in this space. Glad you're still here, as I said earlier. Uh, but can I let you go, bro, without doing some uh, some quick hitters? Particularly one question that I had. It's only Let's do one. Let's do who do you want? Who do you who do you want to see? Who do you want to hear from on the Mogul Podcast? Who we need to get on? Who do I want to see? Oh, Darren Roberts, absolutely, Coach Darren Roberts. Yes, sir. Yeah, well known for flames throwing when he's on the microphone. Yes, sir. My guy, Darren Roberts. That's what I would say. All right, I'm gonna hit you after this so we can schedule that, figure out, figure out a way to make that happen. But definitely love to get you on, Darren Roberts, Coach Darren Roberts. Yes, sir. Absolutely, man. Like I said, you gotta give people your flowers, and I wouldn't be who I am without them. Hey, and I respect that. Anything you want to share before we hop off today? No, nah, man. I just want to say, like I said, man, I appreciate you walking in your truth, being unapologetically who you are in every aspect, you know, of every way that you live your life. And so it's inspired me to be more myself, right? To go get, you know, goofy chain, you know, guarding chain. So, but, uh, but like I said, your inspiration to many, your resilience, your perseverance, and being able to say, hey, this is how I'm moving. This is how I'm coming. 
and being able to walk away from things that don't that don't serve you. So I admire that. I respect your resilience and how you built your brand to what it is today. So it's all love, it's all respect. And I appreciate the platform you created to give people like me an opportunity to uh, speak our voice and speak our truths. So keep doing what you're doing, man. Inspiration. It's all love this way. You already know, man. Got big things coming in 2023 for you and I. We'll be in touch. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Hey, everyone else, man. Thank y'all for tuning in to another episode of the Mogul Podcast, man. Make sure y'all rate and review five stars and a fire review uh, if you have some time today. I look forward to uh, seeing y'all next week, hearing from y'all next week as we have another guest on the show to talk about how we can ensure that all NIL athletes get paid, build their brand, and make a difference. As always, get mogul. Peace out. Sir, take care.